welcome to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors, precisionhydration.com. You can personalize your hydration strategy today with electrolytes in different strengths that match how you sweat. You can get 15% off your first order with the code OxygenAddict15. And we're also brought to you by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens Ultimate Daily is an all-in-one daily supplement with 75 vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and digestive enzymes. And they're all whole food sourced ingredients. Listeners can get 20 free travel packs worth over £60 with your first purchase at athleticgreens.com forward slash oxygen addict. All right, everybody. Hello. Welcome to the show. I want to kick today off just by saying thank you to everybody who's dropped me a line, sent me an email, a Twitter, Instagram post, private messages and DMs and stuff, uh, giving me get well messages. Um, I've really appreciated it. I even had one of the guys I coach offered to do my shopping for me while I was sick last week, which uh, which touched me greatly. I was, <laughs> that was very sweet of all of you, but I do really um, I do really value all the messages that you sent through and especially people sort of saying, you know, we appreciate you getting the podcast out even though you're not well. Um, and it's my pleasure. I enjoyed doing it and it's good fun and it kept me motivated while I was sitting around last week, not feeling like doing very much of anything at all, to be honest. Um, so I hope you guys are all well. I know uh, a lot of the members of our team are all doing okay. Some of them have been down with the illness. And again, we're seeing the pattern that some people are getting affected by it in different ways to other people. Some people are getting really, really sick and ill with high temperatures and coughs. Some people, like I did, I had a, a bad cough for a while, but then I just felt exhausted. And that lasted for me for a period of about 10 days. And I started feeling all right again sort of Sunday, Monday of this week. Monday, I felt great. And then Tuesday, yesterday, again, I was just absolutely exhausted. And I fell asleep watching the telly with my son at six o'clock, tried to pull myself together to do our Zwift ride at seven. And I lasted about half an hour before I climbed off, had a quick shower and managed to get him into bed. And I went to bed just after him at probably half eight and didn't wake up until seven o'clock this morning. So uh, fully clothed. <laughs> well classy uh, so I woke up it's like being a student again woke up in my clothes and my jeans still and had slept solidly for about 11 hours so uh, so this is not an illness that you want to get if you can possibly avoid it it's something that more and more people are saying it really does linger on and even though I thought you know 10 11 days on I'm over it I feel great I don't need to worry even having just eased myself back in with a really easy spin on the bike, I felt absolutely zonked. So do everything that you can. I know everybody is doing, but it's it's worth a constant reinforcement, I think, to say to people, just do everything that you can to not pick this virus up. If you can avoid going out, if you can avoid going in the shops, if you can avoid seeing people, it's really worth trying to you know, really lock down your circle of influence and try and stay as well as you can through all of this. It won't last forever. Um, and I know it's really hard when the weather's really nice outside, isn't it? But um, it'll get better soon. So thank you to everybody who, who dropped me those messages. I really appreciate it. Now, first up on today's show, some of you will have seen the tweet that I've sent out. Um, we've managed to get, believe it or not, a world exclusive with the PTO, the Pro Triathlete Organization. We've got um, Sam Renouf, the CEO of the PTO, coming on to tell you guys a world exclusive about what they've got coming up next. So I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to let him tell you all about it. Sam Renouf, it's great to have you on the show. Um, CEO of the Pro Triathlete Organization. Welcome on board. Thank you, Rob. Great to be here. Well, I thought it'd be interesting to get you on and have a quick chat with you because, uh, you know, 
the big news a couple of weeks ago when everyone started panicking about, you know, we're all going to be locked down. You guys came along and said, well, we're going to pay out two and a half million dollars to our athletes and support them through this time, which was pretty much a universal blew the socks off everybody, I think. So hats off to you guys for doing that firstly. Thank you. Um, well, look, it was actually a very logical decision, to be perfectly honest. So we, we sat down as a group. Obviously, everyone was assessing as as a business that derives value from events. Right. So we had our Collins Cup, but we were, we'd obviously announced we were all gunning towards that date on, on May the 30th. And initially we got together to discuss the Collins Cup and what we were going to do. But actually, the conversation quickly shifted to the athletes um, and the very precarious situation that many were going to be in. You may have seen us put these statements out that, you know, professional triathletes are are ultimately self-employed individuals. And in this environment, that meant overnight they went from being self-employed to unemployed. And so whilst uh, governments out there have been providing support and surplus and pumping money into the financial markets or providing support to businesses, we felt this was uh, uh, the role that the PTO should play as relates to our athletes and sort of provide a, a safety net to make sure that all of these all of these fantastic athletes that had huge earning potentials through the year with all these races aren't left, you know, unable to pay the rent, speaking candidly. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it's a bit of an incredibly difficult time for anyone who's dependent on prize money or you know bonuses from races to to earn the living it must be incredibly difficult time for them as well you know they can't get in a pool to train they can't get to races to race and earn money um i've spoken to more than a few athletes over the last few weeks when i've interviewed them who've you know quite openly said how grateful they were for the fact that you guys had the back essentially well, and it's, I think it's fundamental that how we view the athlete relationship, that at the end of the day, this, this professional triathletes organization has been set up with the athletes as partners, right? They're not just uh, people that come to our race. The athletes own this organization. And so this was the natural, natural action to take, really. Um, and what we were really proud to be able to do, actually, is in working with our investment partners, Crankstart, um, was to increase the actual overall amounts and pay that to the to the lower ranked athletes, right? So we had a two thousand dollar, sorry, two million dollar prize uh, annual prize purse that we pay as part of the world rankings. That got paid immediately because we recognised no one was going to be able to to earn any money for the rest of the year. But then Crankstart um, supported us in increasing an additional five hundred thousand, which we paid specifically to the athletes. 21 to 50 and then 51 to 100 um who of course you know even more impacted by not being able to go to races and earn you know two thousand dollars three thousand dollars five thousand dollars here and there it really adds up through the year so we were particularly proud to be able to, to help the lower ranked athletes with this initiative well can you help us out um with how you guys view the rest of the year playing out for you have you pretty much decided the collins cup race isn't going to happen this year or do you maybe have a contingency for possibly it happening later in the season um, so we've, we're definitely going to move the Collins Cup out to a later date. Um, that's, that's already been announced. We're still working through exactly how we will um, structure it. Um, it's definitely going to take place at the X-Bionic Sphere, so our partners that, that host the championship, um, and it'll take place in 2021. So we've already sort of got ahead of that and said, look, such a major event like this with people traveling from all around the world, both 
both from an athlete perspective, but also from a production perspective. So without boring your listeners into sort of the specifics of how these events are put on, we had a broadcast team that was coming from all around the world to deliver an incredible broadcast, um, very much focused on entertainment and biometrics and making it engaging. Um, and we felt in this environment, squeezing that into the very short time frame at the back half of the year was going to be uh, detrimental to the sort of the product quality. So we've already moved the Collins Cup to 2021. Um, as relates to the rest of the year, yeah, who's got a crystal ball, right? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? Obviously, um, very difficult time for everybody and and much, much larger headwinds for society in general in dealing with, with COVID-19. And, you know, triathlon is is very low down, you know, the pecking order ultimately, as it should be, right, when we're, when we're worried about the health and uh, the both the mental and the physical health of general society. Um, we obviously don't have the answers to the broader pictures when we think about the triathlon world obviously going through a period of, of massive disruption what we are going to do and in fact some of your listeners depending on when they're listening to this podcast may have seen it announced today is we're excited to announce uh, a new initiative which is called the pto hub um, and that is going to be a central resource a, a health and wellness fr free to use i should add health and wellness platform that's being created by the professionals for the broader triathlon um, triathlon market, triathlon community to provide inspiration and encouragement. And so that actually goes live on Friday. Um, so Friday the 23rd. Oh, hang on, I don't have my calculator in front of me. So Friday, this Friday. Friday um, the 17th of April, that'll be, I think, 17th, Sam. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, <laughs> 12 o'clock. So we'll go live with that as a product. So you'll be able to see on ptohub.org. And it will be a resource where all of our athletes are getting together and saying, look, the PTO has supported them with uh, with financial support by paying the rankings early. Now, how can they play that support forward and help everybody else? And look, these are incredible, inspiring athletes. And so we all felt collectively, the athletes and the PTO, that their best place to serve the community was inspiring others. And so it's been a really fantastic response from the athletes so far. We've had 30 plus actually out of out of sort of the 200 that have been funded have jumped in and we've done interviews, we're doing training sessions, we're doing experiences, a bunch of different things that are going to go live on our platform um, in the coming weeks. And so we hope that'll be a source of support, encouragement and inspiration for people in, uh, in these difficult times. Wow, that sounds amazing. So you've basically managed to get all the guys who, who would have been racing to create content for you in, in all manner of different forms that's just going to be free to access. Exactly. Well, it's, and it's uh, creating it in different forms, but also in a produced environment. So we've been working with each athlete um, and saying, what is the message they want to get across? What's their you know motivational story that can inspire people? And then we've been working with the production teams that we would have had for the Collins Cup and then serving that up in a sort of an easy to consume environment, which will be the, the PTO hub. Um, and ultimately just becomes a place where people know that they can get get great content. Um, there are some fantastic examples of, of athletes out there doing this independently. And we sort of recognize that and said, let's boost that with the, with the platform, but also provide a place where everyone can know they can go and find that kind of information. And so that's what we hope this will, will become a, a great resource for, for people during these times. That sounds great. So have you guys actually been sending out your, like, your video production teams to, to film with the athletes? Uh, unfortunately not yeah that's, that's that's one thing we would have loved to done in fact we were just getting started ironically enough um with our pre-production for the collins cup when you know the world ground to a halt <laughs> yeah um in fact i was in at our race venue the day that suddenly they announced all all sports events in slovakia were going to be cancelled they were shutting the borders a few days later it was one of those environments as as so many so many people were in right in the middle yeah. of all of um, in this case 
we've switched gears and it's all technology based, right? So we recognize everyone is in the same situation or, or uh, to be fair, actually athletes are in different situations depending on where they're living. Some are either constricted to just at home, they can't even leave the house. Others can get out for, you know, one ride a day and things like that. But more specific to your, to your question, uh, everything's been done through Google Hangouts and Zoom and various different technologies um, to speak to the athletes directly. And that's where you'll see this is a very personal response from many of them of they're going through the same situations that we all are. Um, how are they dealing with it? How are they staying motivated? Are there particular training sessions which they've adapted to only do indoors? I'm sure. I'm sure many of uh, of your listeners will have seen the uh, the very funny post that Daniela Reef's done about how she's doing her swimming training. So like she was jumping in the bath, and I saw her <laughs> some ice skating um, uh, skates, like doing some gardening recently. So you know, there's some lighthearted stuff, and then you know the more serious side of like how do we stay fit um, in this environment? Because you know, healthy body, healthy mind, and I think that's really important. Important, uh, to get through this COVID crisis. Yeah, absolutely. And so looking forward to, to 2021 then, um, what are your hopes for the way that your sort of, uh, your model is going to develop and continue into 2021? Well, we still have a couple more things that we hope we might squeeze into 2020. So oh, really? Working away. Um, and look, it's one of those, one of those environments where look, it, this is changing by the hour. Course, right, depending yeah. on which part which part of the world you're in. So we, we recognize that both from an organizational perspective or sort of a business perspective, but also from an athlete perspective, it's really difficult to commit to things right now. But we're looking at where are the places where we could create an opportunity if the I'd say market, but it's probably more society actually allows, right? So if, if we can put on a race, what could we do? So we, we're looking at another a number of different options which we hope will will come to fruition later in the year. And then there's also looking at what's the other dynamics around uh, the world has shifted and many companies and organizations are shifting to respond to that, whether that's, uh, you know, exhibitions online, e-races. I mean, I'm sure everyone saw the fantastic charity initiative that Jan Frodeno did just this, just this weekend. Yeah, um, he was amazing, wasn't he? Really, really incredible. And look, a, a really great example of how inspiring these world's greatest athletes that triathletes are can be. Um, yeah. So we've got we've got a few things that we're sort of working through. Hope that we'll be able to announce those in the next couple of weeks and coming months, uh, and then it becomes all focus on 2021, as as you pointed out. Awesome. Well, that sounds great, man. So listen, thank you very much for coming on and giving us another threat. Is there anything else you want to squeeze in? Anything else you want to tell the listeners about at the moment? Oh no! I mean, I think it's summed up by you know come along to um, to ptohub.org for a bit of you know inspiration and encouragement. Um, stay healthy, stay safe, and and help someone where you can. Great stuff. Well, listen, Sam, thank you very much for coming on and giving us the updates, and uh, we'll look forward to checking this out on Friday. All the best. Okay, thanks, Rob. All right, and uh, there we go. That's Sam Renu from the PTO. You can get over now to ptohub.org. Um, that goes live at lunchtime on Friday of this week, which will be Friday the 17th of April. There's currently a holding page up with a teaser trailer that's about three minutes long that's got little clips of video interviews that they've done with I remember seeing Holly Lawrence, Cam Worth, Joe Skipper, amongst others that are on there. So it looks like it's going to be you know, loads of really good information for free. And it's, you know, hats off to the PTO for doing what they did, giving away two and a half million quid. Hats off to Crankstart Investments for putting the money where the mouth was. Um, and it's great to see, you know, the pros getting on there and, and doing stuff that's going to keep us all entertained, even if it's just something to watch while we're on the turbo. Really cool stuff. All right. So we're going to jump forward into news and results from this week. Um, 
First up, sponsored by our friends Precision Hydration. If you've not been over to their website and taken their online sweat test, get over there and get on it. That'll give you a really good idea of whether you are a particularly heavy or a particularly salty sweater. Um, and for those of you who are in those categories particularly, it's really important to keep on top of your hydration and keep your electrolytes topped up, especially when you're doing lots of training indoors like most of us are at the moment. And as we head into summer, who knows, it might even get hot as well. So again, really important to keep on top of it and i'll reiterate to you my experience these guys were a game changer for me taking their 1500 milligram sachets is the difference for me between able to get through a turbo session having hideous calf and foot cramps or not if i try and swim in in usual life it's a difference between my feet locking up when i'm in the pool or not and even sometimes if i'm not doing anything in particular in terms of training i'll get bad calf cramps or foot cramps in the middle of the night for almost no reason and i think i just must sweat loads and loads of sodium out all the time so i've got to keep on top of it I think it's well worth everybody keeping on top of their hydration needs, especially when you are training indoors. And it's the electrolytes that are the important part of the balance there for you, not just drinking water. Okay, so get over there, check it out over at precisionhydration.com. If you've not tried them before, you get 15% off your first order with the code OxygenAddict15. All right. So things to mention to you today. Well, we've already had Sam Renouf on from the PTO, but there was a great article in The Guardian I read um, that said basically what football can learn from triathlon. And I think that was pretty amazing piece of uh, like break, triathlon breaking through into the mainstream almost with the Guardian saying, look, the PTO have just paid out two and a half million quid to their athletes. Football can learn from this because obviously there were lots of stories in there about them furloughing their administrative and ground staff whilst the players carried on getting paid full time. So um, I thought it was really good to see triathlon get singled out as as a sport that are really looking after their their participants and pros, which was great. Other things I've noticed in terms of results, you'll probably have seen this, but if you haven't, if you go over to Jan Fredino's Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Jan Fredino Triathlon, this crazy lunatic did a full Ironman in his house this weekend. He swam in his own little endless pool. He then did the 180 kilometers on Zwift and he ended it up with a marathon. So he came in overall with a time of eight hours 30, if you can believe that. He rode 410 on Swift for 180K and he put out a pretty legit 255 watts for four hours 10 as well. So I don't think that kind of wattage would get him through a real life Ironman in that kind of time. But, you know, four hours 10 for him is what it would take him on race day. And then he ticked off a casual two hour 58 marathon all the time whilst talking to people and being interviewed as he did it. So it was pretty amazing achievement. And the really cool thing was he's raised over, last time I checked, and the, the total has probably gone up since then, he raised over 200,000 euros for charity by doing it for the local health service in Girona where he is. So um, that was a pretty amazing effort. So hats off to you, Jan. I think that was uh, really amazing. We've seen some other stuff going on. We've seen, um, I don't know if you saw this, but if you don't follow Dave McNamee on Twitter, get on it. He he did his... Uh, um, Ironman, there was a 3K, 40K, 10K race. He did his 3K and 10K run on his balcony, which was 12 meters long, running backwards and forwards. <laughs> So good on him for doing something to keep himself sane during that time. So get over and follow him on Twitter if you don't already. 
Some other bits of news I've noticed. Um, first up, if you need a power meter at the moment for training on Zwift and you've decided you know you need to get on Zwift and get on it, the first thing that I've noticed in terms of new news is um, four I power meters, and you'll find them with the number four and then I I I I. The website in the UK is four the number four then I I I I UK dot com. They've just dropped the price of their power meter, so you can now get yourself. Um, they're a crank-based power meter, and you can get yourself the Shimano 105 version of this for under 300 quid, brand new, through their website there. So they dropped all the prices by £50 across the board. So a single-sided power meter, crank-based, um, for under 300 quid is a no-brainer. I've used 4i power meters for years. They sponsor Team Oxygenetics. They're a great product. They're at an amazing price now, especially if you get yourself one for under 300 quid. But I think the Ultegra version is only an extra 50 quid on top of that. Um, so well worth going over and checking out. Like I said, they support and sponsor our team with nice discount for team members. So I've always I've always liked them, but I think give them a big up. If you're looking to get into power meters at under 300 quid, I don't think there's a better option out there at the moment. So yeah, go over and check those guys out um, and join us on the world of Swift for our, our weekly Swift ride. If you've not been joining us for that, um, our Swift ride takes place at 7.15 UK time every Tuesday. Um, it's called the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast Power Hour. And the workouts are ones written by me. Everybody stays together in the group. We had 125 people on the ride last night and instructions come up on the screen for how hard or how easy or what you should be doing at the moment with little encouraging comments. You've got group chat going on with all the riders that are there as well. And at the moment, the sessions that I'm writing are aimed alongside the kind of advice I've been given to my coached athletes. So we're not doing flat out 100% FTP efforts. We're doing them about 80% of FTP, which we found is hard enough to feel as though you're working hard, but not so hard that you're at danger of really sort of depleting yourself or damaging your immune system. So yeah, come and join us on that every Tuesday at 7.15 over on Zwift. Um, and the other thing, a bit of news to mention about Zwift that I've seen is they've just launched their, what they're calling it, their Zwift Z Pro Tri Race Series. That's going to be taking place on Wednesdays. It kicks off today, Wednesday the 15th. Um, the females race is 4 p.m. Central Eastern Time. I think in the UK we're five hours behind that or five hours ahead of that. So will that be... It'll be nine o'clock tonight, I think. So women's race, 4 p.m. Central Eastern. Men's race, 4.45 Central Eastern. Um, Rumoured to be starting are Lionel Sanders, Tim Dunn, Martin Van Reel, Holly Lawrence, Lucy Charles Barkley, and Flora Duffy. So you can watch all that. There's going to be commentary on those races taking place. They're going to be 23K races, so they're going to be, you know, they're going to be over in half an hour or less. So it might be something to watch while you're on the turbo tonight if you're on there. So yeah, get over there and uh, and check that out. There's there's links to those articles around on the Ironman website as well. Okay, so this week's interview of the week, I've got a cracker lined up for you um, with World 70.3 champion Gustav Eden. The interview is sponsored by our new sponsor, Athletic Greens. Uh, just one scoop of Athletic Greens will give you 75 vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics, helpful digestive enzymes, and it's all made from a superfood complex that helps support the body's nutritional needs. And let's be honest, who couldn't do with a bit of extra support for our body's nutritional needs at the moment they support 
um, energy, immunity, digestion and recovery. And I personally think you'd be hard pressed to find a more comprehensive formula than Athletic Greens. Jump over to athleticgreens.com forward slash oxygenetics and claim the special offer for podcast listeners today. 20 free extra free travel packs with your first purchase. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash oxygenetics. All right, so here's this week's interview of the week with World 70.3 champion Gustav Eden. Gustav Eden, welcome to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast, mate. It's nice to see you again sitting there in the, the Norwegian sunshine. How are you doing today? Uh, thank you. It's good to be here. And it's uh, it's good. Yeah, I've been uh, training in the sun for once. Uh, it's been uh, terrible weather lately, but now it's starting to get sunny, so it's nice. Are you back home at the moment in Norway? Yeah, I guess everyone in the world is back home at the moment. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm training back home. So let me get this right. Do you live, is it Bergen you live in? Yeah, I'm still living with my parents in Bergen. I've been thinking about uh, moving out, but since I'm usually on training camp all year round, it's it doesn't really make sense to have my own apartment yet. So yeah, yeah. we'll see in the future. Sure. And reminds me, how old are you, man? Uh, I'm 23. Only 23 and already a world yeah. champion, man. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a strange feeling, but it's good. But listen, let's kick off by firstly congratulating you on uh, on the win at the 70.3 World Championships. Um, that was an amazing race. It was brilliant to sit and watch. Um, can you tell us about the race from your point of view? Because I've been doing my research a little bit before our interview today, and I've got all kinds of um little facts that I want to come out in the interview, but I'd rather have you tell them than me. So talk yeah. us through your, talk us through your race in Nice to start with. Uh, yeah, to start with, uh, I'm usually very nervous before any race and, uh, the world champs in Nice was not an exception. I actually went to, to, to uh, the porta potty to vomit before the start. Really? You were that yeah, nervous? And hey? Yeah. And it's almost always that nervous. So, um, Sometimes I manage to control my nerves, sometimes I don't. This time was a so unusual race for me that I couldn't get my head really straight before the start. So, yeah, I had to go and vomit. So, oh, bless, uh, yeah. But, yeah, but it's it's something I, um, I'm aware of now. So before I was stressed out, just the feeling to get nervous. So I started to get nervous, to become nervous, like two days before the race. But now I just like accept the fact that I'm going to be nervous. So it's... It's not that bad anymore. Okay. But uh, yeah, so uh, a lot of nutrition goes out there. But luckily, I've learned my lesson. And now I bring some kind of uh, quick nutrition uh, for my post-vomit uh, <laughs> race preparation. So I have like a big bottle of Coke or something to just yeah, fill down. I after. see. Is that quite yeah. common then? Do you, do you throw up before a few of your races? uh yeah some races not too much anymore before it was every every single race but now it's yeah a couple wow. of times a year yeah that it reminds <laughs> me quite a lot of um i read a story about you might not know this but johnny wilkinson was the uh the english rugby player who kicked the winning the last minute the last minute kick that won England the World Cup in rugby. And yeah. he said the same thing. He used to have to get his dad to stop the car and was sick before every game as a yeah. kid and, and all the way into his professional career as well. So maybe there's something about having that extra level of nervousness that really uh, really gets you ready for the big competition. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit... I would I would like to not be that nervous, but I mean, it's just who I am. So yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, but okay. uh, onwards for the race. 
I uh, remember I was uh, standing on the start line feeling like the most stupid guy in the world because I forgot my race nutrition for oh, my back no. pockets. So I didn't have any gels in my um, in my tri-suit. And uh, also, uh, I looked down my foot and I didn't have my timing chip on. Oh, no. So I was like, okay, I've lost the race, so I might as well just swim hard for the show. And uh, yeah, let's see how it brings, how it goes. But then I actually got in, uh, in T1 with the leaders. And a guy comes running next to me and I was like... Here, you lost your timing chip, and it hands me to it. So then I realized, okay, I'm not going to get disqualified. These guys have control. They have noticed I don't have a chip. So from there on, everything was kind of more in a calm raceway, I would say. Yeah. Hey, well, that's, swim was, uh, yeah, that's amazing thinking by those guys, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So, so you, you had a blind river swim. You got out of the swim with the with the very front pack. Yeah. Um, how did the ride go for you? Because obviously, the, for those people who don't know, the course at Nice is, is quite unique, wasn't it? Flat bit, yeah. steep uphill, steep downhill, flat bit home again. A really challenging bike course, but yeah. uh, it's it's more like the World Series races than the normal seventh uh, three races. So, I guess it was like the perfect race for me, having a mix between like Olympic distance and seventy point three guys there. So, yeah. But uh, the bad luck with the nutrition didn't stop at me forgetting the gels. I also broke my rear bottle cage like in the first K of the bike. So I lost my rear bottle cage like, oh, no. straight out of the go. And uh, yeah, I just had to uh, change my mindset from doing my own race nutrition to just take everything I could on race course like the, from the race suppliers. So uh, <laughs> I had a lot of uh, refocus during the race. So, wow, you basically, so you didn't have any gels in your back pocket. You completely lost your bottle cage off the back of the bike. So it, you really must have been just completely dependent on what you could grab on the way by. Yeah. So I didn't lose my bottle cage, but it broke. So I could still hang some drink there, but not like in a full bottle. So on all the um, aid stations, I managed to take some bottles and just drink it up as fast as I could because I knew I, I couldn't rely on my bottle cages. So uh, I think in the end, it actually was quite good because I ended up ra- or going up Col de Vance with no bottles on. So I saved maybe uh, almost two kilos up that hill. And then on the top of the hill, I managed to grab two bottles, one gel and one bar from one aid station. Really? I had, <laughs> I had full like weight down the hill, but no weight up the hill. And I actually <laughs> watched the replay of the race. And then I said like, brilliant tactics of Gustav. He is racing with no weight uphill. But it was just like a random coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So it looked like um, Ali Brownie looked like he went to the front and, and went pretty hard early on going up the hill. What was and, and the footage wasn't great watching live at like a lot of these big races. You only tend to see maybe the camera on one person. How many of you were in the group going up the Col de Vance and, and what kind of tempo was being ridden up there? Uh, I actually was. A bit behind because I was just I was in like the back back of the front group and uh, I didn't realize that Ali and uh, I guess some others have pulled away so I, I wasn't aware that he was far ahead of us but I don't know who uh, who was in the group and uh, in the start of Call of Once I heard someone said uh, like yeah you're 150 behind and I was like 
that can't be right. <laughs> and then I just saw up the hill and I couldn't even see him. And then I just thought, hmm, maybe it is right. And then I went really hard, actually, up the hill, much harder than I, I had planned because I wanted to ride with someone down the hill to, to save some energy. And uh, I got a bit up the hill and then one said 115. And then I realized, okay, it wasn't 150, it was 115, so it's not that far behind. But actually, up called the ones I didn't ride with with a group because I basically ride past everyone. Right, so that's where you made your move. Then you went right yeah. at the start of the Col d'Avance, and yeah. and whereabouts were you when you caught? Let me see, it was Ali, and was it um, Rudy von Berg? Was he the other guy in yeah. front? I think. Where did you catch yeah. them? Uh, so Rudy, I catched a bit before the top, but he came past me again, and uh, I think it was Ben Canut. I catched him like at the top of the hill, and Ali, I didn't catch before we started descent. Okay. And and that descent in Nice is uh, it's a real it's a real bike rider's descent, isn't yeah. it? And, and it having... was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I interviewed Holly Lawrence a couple of weeks ago, and she had she had the opposite point of view because she's yeah. like, I'm really powerful, and I've got you know I don't have in her words I don't have very good bike handling skills, so it was a yeah. nightmare for her. Now you're from a cycling background, aren't you? As a kid, that yeah. was your that was your thing. So did you just yeah. love ripping down the the hill on yeah, the way down? It was it was super fun. And uh, having Ali in front of me, and I watched him as the main like competitors going into uh, to the running. I just knew that he is the pace setter, and I'm not going to attack down the hill. I'm just going to save my energy. So it was uh, actually quite nice, just sitting in his wheel and uh, relaxing, and yeah, trying to save some energy for the run. Nice. And uh, were you aware at that point? That I think there was only was there three of you or four of you coming into T two together. Yeah, I, I knew like it was quite tight behind me on the top of the hill because there you get some uh, some lap times or like secondations back to the other guys. But okay. in the downhill, you can't really hear anything. So uh, when we came to the um, last few Ks going into T2, my brother was there and he said like, you have five minutes down to Christian Blumenfeld. And I was like, that can't be right. And I knew that I had uh, at least had a podium because I couldn't really lose five minutes and a half uh, half um, marathon. Yeah. But yeah. In, until that point, I had no idea how far behind otherwise guys were. And then in terms of like other exciting stuff that happened in the lead up to the race, is it right that you didn't have a helmet the day before the race as well? Uh, so I had a helmet, but I had like the, a normal road helmet. Okay, and I and I was supposed to get a, a new helmet from uh, Oakley, like a TT helmet, but uh, somehow they managed to forget it. Oh no! Uh, that was a bummer. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so then I just went on Instagram to ask some of the pros uh, or someone if if they could lend me a helmet for the race, and um, some guys from Ecoy or something just gave me a helmet, and it was yeah, it was nice. Awesome. But I got. And it was also quite chill because the girls were racing the day before. So I knew like at least someone has a spare helmet from the girl side. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. It wasn't stressful. So you, you're into T2, there's three of you together. You know you've got a podium sewn up. Where was your, where was your mindset at this point? What were you, you thinking? Obviously, you're lining up against, everyone knows Ali Brownlee. Rudy von Berg's got a great reputation as well. Um, what were you thinking at that point? 
Uh, I was thinking just to hold my own pace. So I had a, a goal of running uh, 3.07. So that was like my pace. So I uh, I just went out of what I thought was going to be my pace. And then I saw Ali and Rudy lost a lot of time in T2 sitting down. You, I was going <laughs> to say, you had an amazing T2, didn't you? You really... You, I had a normal got... T2 for me, I would say. Normal coming, for you, love it. Coming from ITU racing, like, you're not... You're not sitting down in a T2. Yeah. Like, this is racing. This is not like... <laughs> yeah. So I, I gained a lot of seconds there. And then not even two Ks in. I think Ali passed me in a crazy speed. And until then, I had I had run 310 pace. So I, I guess, 620 for 2K. And he lost 20 seconds in T2. And he gained 20 seconds in 2K. So he was been running... Yeah, 20 k's an hour for the first 2k just to catch me and yeah. it just came blasting past and I already thought either he's in incredible shape or he doesn't really know how to pace himself and uh, but the mind kind of goes quite negative when you get past so I just thought okay I will claim second place it's still good but uh, yeah but like 500 meter later my brother was standing there and he said, Ali has been blown up before. He has, uh, he has shown before that he couldn't really pace himself. So just keep your mind um, positive and you can take this. And for that on, I just watch my watch, see that the pacing was right and it slowly gained on him. Yeah, nice. And then you, you managed to overtake him by about, was it at about the 5K mark where you caught him? Was it the first, uh, yeah, first turnaround? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, just before the first turnaround. And my plan was actually to just uh, stay in his back because it was slight headwind on the way back. But uh, I was running behind him and he had kind of had a strange like um, rhythm with his legs. So it was kind of hard running behind him. So I decided really fast that... Yeah, it's, I'm not saving any energy staying behind him because I, it's so stressful to watch his legs. So <laughs> then I just passed him. Yeah. <laughs> that was, a, I mean, that was a really brave, I thought it was a really brave move to go straight by at the 5K mark because you often see these races play out where the two leaders will run side by side and play cat and mouse. And in retrospect, you know, it was clearly the right decision to do to go by him. But I thought it was really brave at the time for you to kind of, you know, we didn't know how fast a pair of you were running, but to, to pass him back at the 5K mark, I thought was really ballsy. <laughs> yeah, I felt really confident also. Like up until there, I had catched him by a lot and he was not running a good pace. He was like adjusting the pace a lot. So that's not a, a sign of uh, a fast run. Like if you're just running like slow and fast and slow and fast, that's like... If you're doing that, it may be a sign of weakness. I was running like steady pace, the same almost the whole way. So uh, yeah, I was feeling great. Awesome, man! And and that was it for the race, wasn't it? From that point on, 15k solo. You looked yeah. you looked very controlled the whole way. What point did it sink in? You were actually going to win. And what was your brother saying to you? <laughs> My brother was actually saying he was. I don't know if he was trying to keep my mind on other things, but he said, like, you have gained 3,000 followers on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) 
so maybe trying to distract me from the from the racing or something just to keep myself entertained or I don't know but it's it worked because I was I wasn't actually feeling really tired until the last few cases so uh yeah I knew I I had it when uh, Alice suddenly lost like 110 or something I guess that was 12k in the run so it suddenly lost quite a bit so yeah that's yeah. when I knew I, I had it and and it certainly looks from the articles that I've read that um, obviously you'd had some decent success that year. You'd had uh, you'd had a third place in Bermuda, where you and Casper and Christian went one two three. You had fourth at the Olympic test event. Yeah. But in terms of being a pro, you're still very young at sort of twenty two, twenty three years old. You didn't have very much, by the way, of personal sponsors at the time. You'd obviously been super quick when you raced out at, was it Abu Dhabi that you went really, really Bahrain. fast? Bahrain. You and yeah. Christian, similarly, yeah. you went super, super fast there. So, um, But again, it was it was interesting even watching the coverage from Ironman because I think that performance had gone a bit under the radar and, and commentators were sort of saying, well, you know, maybe this kid's gone too fast. He must be, yeah. <laughs> you know, he must be amazed to be up here with Ali Brownlee. And, and we were sitting here looking at, you know, your previous and going, no, no, he's he's got the previous to do that. Now, I don't know whether anyone would have picked you before the race to be a winner. You were definitely one of those like dark horses. Yeah. So how did your life change after the after winning the world championships and really coming from almost from nowhere in the public consciousness? Uh, like in terms of myself, nothing has really changed. I was pretty confident already before the, the world championship, but maybe... Um, it's always good to have the confirmation that you are as good as you think you are. <laughs> but in terms of like international recognition and sponsors, yeah, it's it's totally upside down now. And I don't know if you're aware, but I got a like a semi superstar status in Taiwan also. Yeah, now tell us about this because this is <laughs> this is all down to the mystery hats that you were wearing, wasn't it? The hat with yeah. the, ta- the Taiwanese racing. So tell us the story of the of the cap. Yeah. Uh, before the test event, we were training in uh, Japan, and I just found a, a, a hat on a, um, on the side of the road where we were training, and I thought it looked cool, so I just started wearing it, and uh, I actually wore it in the World Championship because in T2 I had my glasses and the gels for the run in the cap, so to save some extra time in T2, so that's the part of the secret why I'm so fast in T2. So I just grabbed the cap with everything inside it and just started run and then fix things while on the go instead of sitting down yeah as you never do <laughs> <clears throat> and then i just wore it and um i guess one of the pictures of me crossing the finish line went uh, viral in taiwan and people are start wondering why is the world champion wearing a taiwanese hat and uh, it turns out the hat was from uh, a temple there and i didn't know what it said i just yeah used it and then I was invited over there and uh, visited the temple where the hat was from. And it was a couple thousand meeting there just to have selfies and <laughs> something from me. And it was, yeah, I was traveling there with uh, my manager and it was an awesome for the experience. Amazing. So you, you've now gained this kind of, did I, did I read somewhere that the temple had to have 20,000 of these hats produced because now everybody wants to wear one? Yeah. And that was, that is old numbers. I don't know what the numbers are now, but I, <laughs> it's uh, a lot of people there wearing these hats. So you became you became like a a national figure of uh, of, reg- of 
people rejoicing for you over in Taiwan. Yeah. <laughs> did that did that help with uh, the bike deal with Giants because they're based in Taiwan, aren't they? Yeah, I guess it uh, it helped a bit. They are based in Taiwan, uh, but uh, I guess they just wanted someone new also. So of course it helps to be uh, recognized in the country of where the sponsor is from. But I hope. If they wanted to support me regarding of uh, my hats, I'm not. <laughs> it's it's funny, isn't it? How a little thing like this can open the door, possibly yeah. to a, to a big company. That's that's yeah. amazing, really cool. So, right, going back to going back to when you were a kid, how did you end up getting into triathlon in the first place? You mentioned that you were you were a bit of a cyclist when you were younger. So, how did the the cycling then develop into doing triathlon? Yeah, I was both both a cyclist and a runner, but being a cyclist was like more fun and I was better there but I still ran like 16 10 when I was 15 so that's yeah. pretty good for a 5k time Solid, so uh, yeah uh, but it's not like international level level or anything um but then it come a time where you have to choose what you're gonna specialize in and uh, I um didn't want to stop running and I didn't want to stop cycling and I knew like if I'm going to win the Tour de France or something I couldn't really run as much as I I would like to in the future and just do cycling so then I decided to instead of giving up running I also needed to start learning to swim and so then it then it was triathlon from there on and how old were you at the point you decided to swim then uh, I guess I started swimming in a club when I was uh, 14, 15. And then I stopped competitive cycling when I was 16. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. So you weren't one of these guys who was, uh, who was swimming from, you know, from a very early age. 14 or 15 is, is like quite late, isn't it, for, for yeah. someone to take up swimming? And- and swimming has been really, really challenging for me. It's such a technical sport and uh, it doesn't matter how strong you are. If you're not pushing the water in the right direction, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. So it has been a real challenge to uh, to become a swimmer. And uh, I'm not close to being where I want to be yet. But it's, but it's a daily struggle and uh, luckily it's going in the right direction. And hopefully I will be in the front pack in, in not too long. And how did the swims play out for you at the at the Olympic distance level when you're racing at WTS races or Super League or something like that? Do you consider that to be the the weakest of the three? Yeah, definitely the weakest. And uh, the problem is, it's uh, sometimes it's okay, and I could be close to the first group, but other times it's just like far off the pace, and it's not reliable at all what I'm doing right now. It's like throwing a dice and see where I <laughs> where I finish. And, I tell you what, uh, yeah. it's so good to hear the world champion say that as well because that's every age groupers experience of yeah. swimming as well. As some days they have a good swim and other days a terrible swim and you can't put your finger on why it's happened. So, so yeah. it happens all the way to the point that still happens when you're world champion. That's great yeah. to know. I don't know if it's good to know because then you know no matter how much you're swimming it's still going to be like a random result. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah. Uh but swimming is definitely where I put in my most of my energy not right now because all the pools are closed in Norway but um, yeah it's where I where I definitely to uh, improve to get an Olympic gold okay so um let's talk about right now a little bit then how how are you adjusting to the situation right now with with all the pools being closed what 
what are you managing to do, if anything, to try and help and maintain your swim? Uh, I actually have a neighbor who has like uh, a spa pool. So it's just a really small one. And no, like, it's not like an endless pool. So it's not like jets coming uh, towards you. It's, yeah, it's just like a, a hot tub, basically, a big hot tub. Okay. And, and, there doing... I can, and I can attach like rubber bands around my feet or hips and then I have uh, some kind of swimming. But it's not like real swimming. And yeah. I don't think I get any better of it. I just doesn't get as worse as it, it could be. Yeah, well, at least you're managing to get something done during this time, I suppose. It would be, yeah. imagine it'd be very difficult if you're in a situation where you can't do anything at all and you're, yeah, yeah definitely. But uh, also the races are far away now, I guess. It's yeah. really uncertain when we can race again. But uh, So that kind of makes the situation okay. It's not like I have to really prepare for a race next week with no swimming. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I suppose everyone is in the same situation as well, aren't they? Yeah. 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 So the other guys that you usually train with, um, you've you've got a bit of a sort of legendary little training group there with you and Christian Blumenfeld and Casper Storners. Um, you all train with your coach, and I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly. Is it Arid Fighten? Arid Fighten. Ah, got I got kind of <laughs> close. I <have> apologised <laughs> him for yeah. me. Um, so it seems that you've you train in a sort of similar way that pro cyclists do you're away on training camps quite a lot how does a how does a standard training block or camp or whatever work out for you how long are you away for uh it kind of depends where we're going but uh like if we go in altitude the minimum week we are there is three weeks because we need uh the altitude effect so for altitude yeah it's basically three weeks and uh, sometimes even longer, depending on if we're racing and coming back up to altitude. And then okay. we have another kind of um, training camp, which is heat training, where we go to Thailand. And there we are between two and three weeks. And we don't really do too much like normal training camps anymore, where we go to yeah, not, okay. not heat and not altitude. But if we're going there, it could be like three, four weeks. Okay. And where do you go when you're training at altitude? Where do you use your bases for those? Uh, we have two places now, which is the best for us. The um, spring one being in uh, in Sierra Nevada. I was supposed to be there now. That's located in Spain in 2,300 meters above sea level. And we have a lot of pro cyclists there and runners and everything. So it's a really good training center for for training. Nice. Okay um and are you are you personally friendly with christian and casper on like a on a friendly basis do you guys keep in touch or are you very much more like a professional training relationship strictly professional no (laughs) (laughs) no we are really good friends and uh on the outside it may seem like we only meet christian casper together but we are actually a big group in our way training and a big group in training camps mostly <clears throat> so it's not like only us three going around it's we are a big group and we are extremely dedicated and uh, yeah it's it's a real fun group to train with nice and is the whole group are you all norwegians or is it more of an international mix uh back home in bergen we are a group of norwegians and we have also one swede training with us gabriel sander and then uh, in other training camps we have Sometimes had Lisa Norden with us. She's also yeah silver medalist in Olympic and yeah, yeah. also Swedish. And we also have one Austrian girl. 
So it seems like, uh, you know, triathlon in Norway <coughs> is on the up at the moment, very much so. Um, what do you what do you think has contributed to you guys all having the success that you've had? Um, I would say it's a bit of luck because me and Christian are almost the same age, coming from the same town, uh, having the same values in training and uh, everything. And we kind of just randomly met through triathlon. So uh, it's a bit of a luck. I don't think any of us would be as we were if we don't have each other. And it's so random, us two coming from the same city. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, but the thing that most made us good is our training and uh, we are extremely good at training both like planning the training but also like doing the training and doing everything we need to do it's amazing to think isn't it that you could have two olympic medalists from one town in norway in a year's time yeah hopefully it will be next year we'll see yeah (laughs) (laughs) now you mentioned your brother a little bit earlier on i wanted to ask about him is it right that he did he win Ironman? Was it Tallinn? <laughs> yeah, so he raced there. He got a opportunity to race in Hawaii, but he said it's uh, not his style, so he declined the Hawaii ticket. And uh, he works as a coach for some of the athletes on the national team, and he's yeah working a bit with me, but not like as a coach, more like uh, yeah. A brother, <laughs> as, a, as a big. Bro- it sounds like he. It sounds like he's got a good idea of mentally what you need at certain points in races. It's quite. Sounds quite clever of him to shout the things about Instagram that he did as yeah. he went by. That's kind of clever yeah. coaching, isn't it? Yeah. So he's. Uh, he watched me grow up, so I guess he he knows me quite well. Yeah. Very cool. Um, you've mentioned you know Hawaii there. Let's let's talk about that for the potential future. Is that where you? see yourself going possibly post-olympics or is it something you think someone could do you know olympics and iron man in the same kind of point in your career so uh i had like maybe an idea of doing kona this year because uh after olympics in 2021 that was kind of like my free year doing things i wanted to do and not really uh, doing yeah, what I have to do, like all the World Series and everything, just like racing for fun, more mm. like that. Uh, but of course, now the Olympics has been postponed a year and I can't do uh, Hawaii the year before the Olympics because everything for me is about the Olympics. Uh, so uh, now I'm not so sure about the plan anymore, but I def- definitely have to do the Hawaii race once for sure. And is the long distance stuff something that you that you really enjoy? Because I'd imagine coming from a cycling background, you must have done some pretty big days on the quiet, right? Uh, yeah, I rode three hundred and two k two days ago. Really? Yeah, me and Christian was out on a on a trip together, and it was really nice. So it was nice weather for once in Bergen, so we just took the opportunity to have a long day in the saddle. And you just rode the whole day. It was light, just 300 yeah. k's all day. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was quite nice. Yeah, but I, uh, I think I enjoy uh, World Series races much more than uh, 
than long distance race. I mean, Nice was fun, but that was kind of an exception because the course was so different to what it's normally like. So that was kind of entertaining the whole way. But a normal 70.3 race, it's uh, not really for me, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, is it is it a different thing when you're in a kind of Dubai type course where you're down on the aero bars for two hours and all you really yeah. see is 10 feet of tarmac in front of you? Yeah, it's uh, not as entertaining and the tactics are a bit more limited. So uh, one thing I love about the ITU style of racing is you have so many opportunities to do a lot of things. But in in 7th Bunfree and, and full Ironman, it's kind of limited how much you can play around. It's kind of like a set way of, of how you're going to race. I mean, you have to run a marathon by yourself almost. But yeah. in... Uh, but in ITU, you have so many opportunities to race different every time. And that's kind of what's entertained me the most. Yeah. And you're still really young as well. That's the other thing. It's You've got plenty yeah. of time in your career to do the long stuff. Yeah. Um, have you have you ever had thoughts about doing something like Norseman? Uh, Norseman looks fun, but I have to do it after the career. It's yeah. such a bad timing-wise. So Hawaii is okay because that's after than my normal season but Norseman is just like in the middle of it so it's kind of uh, it, it can't be done right now <laughs> maybe one day hey yeah maybe one day all right so last question then it, it it strikes me that it must be a very challenging time to be a pro athlete at the moment with with the being you know all the restrictions in place but also the uncertainty around if and when you're ever going to actually get to race again have you how how do you deal with that uh, I actually kind of enjoying right now because I one of the reasons why I'm such a good athlete is because I, I love to train and uh, I love to compete. But sometimes it's really stressful to always have to improve every single session. Like I have a plan with every session, like today I'm going to improve that or yeah something. And... Uh, Improvement is the most fun part of triathlon, always trying to become better. But sometimes it could be quite stressful to like, this day I have to become better. If I don't become better, it's kind of like a failed day. So right now, I uh, the whole world has that opportunity to just uh, chill more. <laughs> so I, like the 302k ride two days ago, I could never done that like in a, in a normal uh, normal training situation because that would ruin like some days of training afterwards and you're tired so we can't really improve for some days and uh, now it's just training with no really um, pressure just do what you want just relax with training and really really enjoy what you're doing with no pressure to always improve yourself so uh, it's it's kind of nice but I don't know if I could do it this for a really long time because it's um, yeah you're missing the opportunity to have the improvement. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I enjoy it for now. Yeah, it it does seem like if if we let our minds wander to two, three, four months of this, that's quite hard to deal with. But if you keep yourself in the now, the yeah. three or four week or six week block in the middle of the year where you get to do something completely different and unstructured, if you yeah. live in the now, that's quite a good opportunity to just yeah. be completely refreshed isn't it yeah so it's kind of like my season break now i we don't normally have this normal season break where other people are out partying or something i 
never party or anything. I just, uh, in my season break, I, I train like I do now, more like for the sake of training, not for the sake of improvement. Yeah. So I, I actually enjoy it for now. And have you, have you got any inklings about any races on the calendar? Is there anything that, I mean, obviously the traditional race calendar is completely suspended at the moment, but yeah. have you heard any rumors about anything where I was, I was reading the other day about UFC proposing to take all of their fighters to a private island and quarantine them there almost before they held a competition. Are there any rumors of anything like similar and crazy happening in the triathlon world? Uh, no. Not yet. <laughs> but that seems like a crazy idea. Maybe it's something uh, Super League could do. Well, that's exactly up their street, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Fly you all to a private island somewhere. <laughs> Hamilton Island, where they had the first Super League. That would be awesome. Yeah, wouldn't it? It's good thinking. Well, maybe you need to drop them an email and suggest it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, listen, it's been really great catching up with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show, man. Um, I thought you were a great guy when we met out at Super League last year, and it's been great to do a long-form interview with you. So I wish you all the best, and Thank I hope you. the sun keeps shining on you so you can you can keep doing yeah, crazy rides. I think I'm going to have a long run afterwards. We'll see. We'll see what my day brings. Good, man. All right, buddy. Well, listen, thank you very much for your time. Yeah. Thank you. See you later. Great stuff. I hope you enjoyed that interview there with Gustav. He he seems like a, a genuinely nice, really nice guy. When I met him out at Super League Malta, uh, me and him hit it off straight away. We had a real laugh doing an interview and afterwards. And uh, and it's it's been great following his progress. I'd love to see him get out there and get some racing done this year. Um, and I really think he's one to watch for the future in terms of potential Olympic gold medalist, potential Kona winner, obviously potential 70.3 world champs winner again. Um, he's an absolutely cracking guy and we had a real laugh. And it's, it's really nice to see him and Christian Blumenfeld training together, raised and born and brought up in the same town of Bergen in Norway. And, you know, just two guys who grew up training and racing together and now they found themselves at the very top of the tree. I think we'll be seeing a lot more from the two of them over at least the next decade and beyond. All right, guys, that pretty much wraps up this week's edition. Remember, if you want a bit of Zwift action with us, you can join us at 7.15 every Tuesday over on Zwift. Um, Just go to the events page and you can click on join there. It'll send you an invite and you've just got to be there ready to go five minutes or so before the event. Um, uh, What else have I got to mention to you? Thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration. Use the code OxygenAddict15 for 15% off your first order. Athleticgreens.com forward slash OxygenAddict gets you 20 free travel packs worth over 60 quid with your first order. And Thriver.co, you can use the code OxygenAddict50 for 50% off your first on uh, at-home blood test. If you want to have a blood test and work out what's going on inside your body at the moment, I highly recommend those guys as well. So remember, there's links to all of those in the show notes so you don't have to remember them. And until next week, have a great, safe training and racing week. I'm Coach Rob Wilby, and you've been listening to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. See ya. Mm-hmm.